This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. With me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell West. And here in High Wycombe, uh, the sun is shining across us and uh, a large part of the rest of the United Kingdom. There, there, there is uh, spring weather and hope in the air. We all know what that means. The bad hay news? Fever. Hay fever. Oh, right. That's the thing that happens to other people. Oh, that's... Your empathy is one of the great features of this podcast. What are we talking about in an empathic and sympathetic manner this month? Uh, well, you, you've been hanging around on RPG Ness and um, people have been asking questions. Uh, and then we were looking at an a, a tr- aspect of certain sorts of traditional magic and you know, what does it do in a game? We will d- reveal more details later, but first this word from... Roger has been taking a look at the current offering from our friends at the Bundle of Holding. We should say we get access to this um, directly, and we're not exactly paid, but and we only talk about it when we think um, there's something interesting to talk about. And Roger, th- they they don't pay us, but we do get the no, stuff that, without I, paying I, I them. I thought I was so. saying that. Yeah, I'm obviously being too polite. Uh, so. I've only had a very quick skim of this because they only released it the night before we recorded. Uh, but this is Equinox until the 11th of April. Uh, it is a space opera with a large dose of fantasy. Yeah. In other words, the magic is the basis for the tech. Well, wouldn't you? Yes, quite. So while while it has become democratised in that, you know, you don't have to be born in the right family to you use a horrible zappy gun or whatever uh there are still magicians do you need a magician to make the horrible horrible zappy gun probably but you know you could just buy it at the market okay um poor, so, poor pressed magicians working in sweatshops Boo. i'm sure that hardly ever happens though we do have space fascists uh, of course we do have actual demons and of course you've got demons you've got to have somebody to punch uh it, it's definitely um there's a lot of stuff that looks familiar from other places. I mean, they have a list of influences, and it and it includes Firefly, of course. It includes Babylon Five. Um, there's an awful lot of what a ship is is freedom. Um, what a ship is is a mortgage. Are... No, 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 not if you steal uh-huh. it. Uh, there are mystic cycles like um, Shadowrun and Earth Dawn. Oh, oh yeah, I, re- I so saw that, that in the in the blurb. Mayan. Magic goes up and down, basically. Mayan mystic cycles. Well, maybe. Um, there, there's astral hyperspace, uh, which you do need to be the right sort of magician to deal with. Uh, Earth gone boom. It's, it's traditional for us to go boom. Otherwise, you have to consider that you know 99% of humanity is still on Earth. Uh, and doesn't like all these foreign tourists coming around. And th- this was arguably one of the problems with transhuman space, that... Um, you know, if you're on Earth, very few people have a reason to leave it. It's comfortable. I mean, I like the I like the gravity. No, actually, I don't. I it's don't comfortable really. even if you're not rich in most places. Yeah. Um, I, you, you wouldn't say you like the gravity if you try the alternatives. Anyway, um, it's also, yeah. I mean, this this is space operatic. 
I, I assume at least some of our audience are, are personally familiar with orbital dynamics. So when I say that where Earth used to be, there is an asteroid belt uh-huh. that is just as wide as the planet was, and there is a ring-shaped space station a bit wider than the planet was through which this asteroid belt orbits. Seemingly, they, they, they send out magical tractor beams to pick out interesting-looking bits. But this belt is remaining, you know, n thousand miles wide. It's not dispersing the way they actually do. Anyway, magic, I magic. Mean, Tell yourself it's magic. Yeah, but it's also it, it's also a, a lovely visual. Yeah, which I suspect is the point. Um, also, it comes with two separate systems. That's that. I, mean, I can't tell whether that's considerate or or sadistic, honestly. Well, it was originally written systemless, and yeah, I mean, the, the, Roger's usual question applies. Why wouldn't I just run it in uh-huh. GURPS? There is absolutely no reason not to run this in GURPS. Or, you know, um, Genesis or whatever else you fancy. But there is the the light one, which is essentially D6-like, uh, or D6-ish, mm. and uh, you, you get to use fudge dice as well, and it's a bit fiddly, but it's basically um, if you take the sort of yes and down to no and, six steps of resolution from Doctor mm. Who... And you compress that onto a D6, and then you add bonus and penalty dice. That's more or less what you get. Um, that's the simple. There's one. also okay. the heavy. There's also the heavier system, which is dice pools. Ugh. And I mean, neither of these systems, as far as I'm concerned, has anything to offer, unless I had never played a science fiction game before and thus had no preference. But you know, you could run this in Traveller. You could run this in your system of choice. Yeah. You could probably run it in Starfinder. I mean, I don't know. I've never played Starfinder, but I don't see why you couldn't. Um, so, yeah, ignore the systems. But fortunately, most of it is unstatted. And so it just says, you know, this is the thing that works like this. And you say, OK, it works like so, that. So it's, it's, pr- it's primary, so. primary material for uh, porting to your, to your own fa- favourite, whatchamacallit. Yeah. I'm not, not at all sure I'll run the campaign of it, but I, I will probably try it out. Um Simply because, you know, swashbuckling space fun is is fun. Okay. Can you answer a question that has been bothering me since I noticed it yesterday? I can try. Why is it called Equinox? What has the day on which the... Um... It was the astrological event relating to... Uh, of course it was. Either the great big artificial moons that kept the magic under control getting infiltrated by demons and going boom, or the Earth going boom, which was somewhat later. Uh, one, one of those big things. Okay, anyway. right. So this is all p- the post the equinox event. Okay. Yes. Uh, any interesting aliens, or just demons? Uh, all the all the aliens are human variants. All right. Well, that simplifies things up to a point, I suppose. Now, for many people, when I say this reminds me of Shadowrun, they will think, "Oh, right, Roger doesn't like it because Shadowrun was rubbish." I did actually like Shadowrun. Um. In part because it viciously resisted any attempt to take it seriously. I mean, nineteen mm. eighties, nineteen nineties role players will take will try to take anything seriously, but Shadowrun made it really difficult. <laughs> oh yeah, but 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 it had a, had a flavour of silliness, which I reacted to in in the same way some people reacted ducks in RuneQuest. I don't know. Hmm. But it, it it has that sense of lightheartedness about it, which I I would certainly like to try out at some point. Okay, so a a, a provisional, and we've only just read this. Uh, thumbs up from Roger. 
And we'll we'll see if that anything ever does come of that. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I haven't found the great big landmine in book seven, you know. This is a question that came up after there was an inquiry on RPG Net for I'm a young person. Actually, I'm assuming a young person because um, those of us who are old in sin have already found answers for it. Um, who wanted to find themselves a system other than D and D, and they specific specificated specified that um, they wanted a system that was classless. Which led me to think, and this is what I want to consider now, just what exactly counts as a class? I say this because when I wrote a reply, I found myself saying, um, well, there's RuneQuest, which is classless, except some people think it isn't. I never understood that particular reaction, since RuneQuest was what gave me the feel for a system where not everything you do is filtered through um, a predetermined set of abilities and advancements. So, well, what is a, I would what argue is a class, Roger? I think a class is a skill. Ooh. Okay, well, that's... Yeah, so, let, let's look at the history. Uh, because... Unlike many things in Roleplay, this clearly has a single origin. Um, and if, if you look at Chainmail and the fantasy supplement to it, yeah. um, essentially it is a unit type. So, you know, you, you have your unit of heavy foot or your yeah. necked or whatever, uh, and then you have an in individual hero or magician. Yeah. Uh, and that simply defines this is what they do on the board. In fact, they have different names for what would later be regarded as different levels of magician. Mm -hmm. So, moving on from there, you, you got your basic D&D, &D, um, and essentially they define your stereotype. I, I am a fighter, I will do fightery things, mm. and my level indicates how good I am at doing fightery things. Yeah. This includes hitting people, um, wearing armour, resisting being hit, all the rest of it. Yeah. There, there are no skills, it, it, it is your class skill. I was looking at uh, Rhesus the other night, and that's what it seems to do. It reduces um, your various areas of expertise into um, what they call a cliché, um, which can be fairly wide. Um, like, I am a drunken, um, I'm a dr drunken partying dwarf um, warrior. Will do fine as a cliché. Yeah, and I think a fatey system would do a similar sort of thing with aspects. And, uh, and Quest Worlds too, and up to a point, uh, the new version of Unknown Armies also has has a has a thing which is a profession. I happen to be a cop, of course. I know how to fix a ticket. Um, but but looking at D and D, yeah. it's, it's interesting to see the split because in basic D and D, um, if you are a dwarf or an elf, um, that is also your class. Yeah. A dwarf, because if you if you're putting yeah you know, if you're putting a dwarf on the battlefield, mm. that's exactly what you need to know. Uh, and then of course AD and D uh, separates out race, yeah. 
and then you get all the race class compatibility problems and level restrictions and, and all that stuff. Mm. It, it also starts to... AD&D does actually have a non-combat skill system in its original version. It's just nobody ever used it because it was a background skill thing and there were no rules for it. You'd just say, oh, well, you know, when, when you're growing up, you, yeah. you, you uh, I... learned this or that. Uh, but you also get things like changing your character class, which I don't think anybody ever did. Um, uh, I get the feeling that a later generation than mine was fairly keen, keen on multi-classing. Um, ah, well, that, that, that's a separate thing, because the, the multi-class meant, meant you got to have fighter thingies and with, magic user thingies. But all in discrete le- levels and, and quantums, I yeah. think you can say quantum. So after they got rid of Gary in 85... Yeah. Uh, you get the Dungeoneer Survival Guide, Wilderness Survival Guide. Because Unearthed Arcana, Gary's last fling of D&D, was basically his prototype for, I think this is what 2nd edition should look like. Hang on, hang on. This is, a, this is ancient ancient history. Yeah, but all right, go on. Yeah, but Dungeoneers and Wilderness Survival Guides were the people who were still at TSR's idea of what 2nd edition should uh. look like. And they introduced uh, proficiencies weapon proficiencies, non-weapon proficiencies, which have hung around like a bad smell in D&D ever since. Well, it, it, yeah. Which means you now have all the unrealism of character classes combined with all the complexity of a proper skill system, only it's not a skill system that actually works, and I think this is the worst of all possible worlds. Well, hang on. I think what you need to do... I, I want to go back to the question I asked at the start, which is, what is a class? And what a class appears to me to be is a compulsory package and a path. Those are the two elements of it, aren't they? You you get to be a, um, a fighter or you get to be a magic user and you can do these things and you can advance along this path. But how long did it take before that started? Well, to some people it still looks like um, excitement and adventure and a really wild thing to get to do that you choose this class and then you have some options about how you advance in that class but to other people it started looking like a trap fairly early on yeah well runequest i i don't see the classness of, and there there are goals you can work towards in runequest like i want to be a rune lord of my cult oh. and that will require a certain package of skills yeah um uh, I, I don't know how that's changed in recent editions that's how it was in two yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very, very much, very much like like that. There are there are cultural goals which require you to do certain things and to develop in certain ways. But you're going to be accidentally, you're going to accidentally picked up other stuff along the way, and had hmm. you've had to do things at default levels and slowly build up. Yeah, this is more. I've achieved this now. I qualify for this social benefit rather than. Yeah. I, I buy the rank in social benefit, and then I get these skills to go. But with. I have come across people, and that's uh, who say that the uh, the the cults and the uh, and the the and the achievements within the cults are in fact classes and levels by another name, and I I, I think they're missing the point. Well, for some things, for some things that would be true. I mean, if you want to be a healer. In the in the classic setting, at least, I presume there are other healer cults elsewhere. Uh, you are going to be a Shalaroi cultist because that's what healers are, and you're going to be a, a, if, a an ultimate. I only have a parry parry pacifist as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
There are people who still feel that uh, a new character class with new benefits and new specialisations makes their hearts go pitter-pat. Um, and I... Well, they're not my problem. <laughs> I, I would like to mention Rollmaster because Rollmaster is, is an interesting step along this path because it... it Remembering, it it grew out of uh, originally a set of optional combat rules for D and D and D like games back then, uh, and it has a full skill system, but it also has class and level. Yeah, because you know the the I think the design brief of Rollmaster is ooh, there's a mechanism, let's have it. Uh, so what you actually got was. The class didn't do very much for you as such. Yeah. Um, it would give you a set of skill costs. So, you know, I, I am being a fighter, therefore my learning primary weapon skill is very cheap, my getting more hit points skill is very cheap, and my learning magic skills are vastly expensive, so I should never try to spend points on them. Um, it would also define, if you were a magic-using character, uh, the, the set of spell lists that you would potentially be able to learn yeah. from. Uh, which was usually something that was specific to the class, as well as the general ones of that sort of magic. And the skill costs mostly limited you to one, to one or two ranks in any given skill per level. Um, but you, you, had, you had a certain number of development points per level based on your stats, so you'd have to Basically, it, it, it channeled you into, if you want to be an effective character and you want fighty skills, get a character class with, with relatively cheap fighty skills. Yeah, that mention of the of you have to choose a magical path makes me think of the first times I ran up against um, character classes as cages. As, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know that I object to the idea, which has sort of worked its way into the fiction um, from D and D, that that committing yourself to one sort of magic unfits you for all sorts of magic, um, and uh, well, you can see how that flies out of here are your three basic battlefield troop types in chainmail. Yeah, I mean it comes down two. two. Sorry, clerics aren't there yet. Well, well, it starts. It it's, it's that's clear clearly where its its roots come from. But it was always I felt very badly explained. In the in in fiction terms, in what 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 are we calling diegetic terms? It, inside mm. the 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 early the early game systems and a fair number of them since have been happy to say, uh no no, it, it just works that way. Don't ask too many questions." But uh, my players wanted to know why the magician couldn't wear it, wear any armor. Oh, it, it seems an unreasonable thing to do. And why can't the cleric pick up uh, something with a nice pointy edge on it and slaughter the heathen? And mm. why can't the fighter for that matter? And particularly given that that's it, that particular thing, the, the whole no edge weapons not to draw blood thing, appears to be a misinterpretation of one very dubious bit of manuscript. Well, yeah, the Bishop Odo um, and all that sort of, that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah... It, but but the, they did find that justification. I th I mean I think the, the 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 impulse to limit the abilities of somebody who is both a fighter and a sort of magic users. I think the no edged weapons was there from the start. I don't know if it was a 
an aesthetic decision or a game balancing decision. And I'm, I'm, I can't even recall what sort of damn difference um, a, 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 a non-edged weapon made in D&D. My impression is it wasn't that um, detailed as a system. About an extra point of point or two of damage, maybe. Mm. I mean, the the cleric in basic D and D was always um, nearly as good a fighter as the fighter, and I think the temptation was to, well, rather the the impulse was to try to make him not quite that good. Okay. Well, the thing I wanted to move on to was: is there any good to be found in character classes? Because nowadays, ah, uh, I mostly play. Um, almost entirely play games without this particular um, uh, fixture. Though uh, we played together in a Savage Worlds campaign, which, oddly, as far as I can tell, most variants seem to not have a class as such in the sense of restriction, but does have um, levels as such, which is odd. Mm. Um but we're, but is there any good well, to be got out of the idea of a character class? Well, I would like to talk about GURPS. Oh boy! Um, and I think it it is an example by not having classes of what a what a class is good for. Because if you throw the GURPS book at a player and say, "Right, generate me a character," and they look at the list of X hundred skills yeah. and all the advantages and disadvantages and these, they can say, "Yeah, yeah, what?" And so what, what GURPS 4th Edition tried to do, not always successfully, um, but it was originally going to be a rule for settings published for it, is have templates. So if you want, if you are playing in this setting and you say, okay, the, uh, this um, city guard sounds interesting, right, here is a template for a city guard. I, I add that to my baseline character and I now have all the relevant skills I need and if the point if the point budget for the campaign is higher than that obviously I can buy yep. more skills uh, and similarly uh, the game we just started on Sunday action yeah uh, while it does not uh, you you can run it very restrictively and say you can only buy the the skills that are on your template and everybody has the template you know the shooter the wheelman the the investigator and so on. I don't do that but I find it interesting that one can, and there there is indeed the ultra light version where, in effect, you just say, "Okay, um, shooter is my everything to do with being a shooter yeah. skill," uh, uh, and I will just roll against that when I'm doing shooty things, and that that will still work. Uh, though, though to go in a slightly different direction, um, chap I know, hello Owen, if you're still listening, uh, argues that GURPS has two classes, and they're called Dex and IQ. <laughs> Um, because if you are, well, this isn't always the case, but if, particularly if you're being a generalist, uh, you're in a long running campaign, you've got a lot of points built up, you've got a lot of wide ranging areas of competence, it is much more cost effective to specialize in one or the other and the skills that depend from one or the other rather than splaying across both. If, if relatively low power and more of a specialist, it doesn't matter because you, you've got talents in fourth ed. Uh, yeah, if you just want to be a face man, and has some stabby skills, then that's fine. Uh, but if you want to, but yeah, if, if you want to be the fighter of the athlete, that's that's cheaper in points than being the fighter in the academic. Yeah, but uh, but there is a, a there looks to me to be a core difference between the two approaches, which is that a template is a, an aid to construction, 
and a class is a straitjacket. It depends on how you use it. As, as I say, uh, if you take the strict interpretation of GURPS Action or Dungeon Fantasy or Monster Hunters or of the others, then those are the skills you get. You can only buy the skills that are on the template. I, yeah, I, I'm never, I don't do I've that. Never, but if somebody wanted to, I'm not going to tell them they're playing GURPS wrong. Yeah, yeah I, I might tell them I do not wish to be in this campaign. Because um, why, why, why ha- bother to have something which will support infinite amounts? And why, why shouldn't my, my barbarian um, uh, uh, fighter have somehow picked up some uh, um, hidden knowledge of the arcane nature of the multiverse, uh, which, is, uh, which is shaman explained to them one time? Well, you know, you could also say... If player Bob wants to play the simple version of the system and not get into all the fiddly bits, why sh- why not? Well, they, um, well you d- I don't think you you should n- try to minimise the n- number of times you say to your players you must do this. Um, that though, though, for some who don't actually understand what the system or the world is about, you do have to say that quite often. But but you want to be able to say to them you can do this. But if you only want to do that, that's fine. Um, but but I don't want to be in a position where I find myself telling the players, you can't do that. I want to be able to say, you haven't got a very good chance of doing that, but yeah, you're right, you're dangling by your fingertips from above above the tiger. Now is the time to, do, to, to, to make Hail Mary moves. Now, the thing, thing I did very much dislike about early D&D yeah. uh, class abilities was that only the class could do it, you know. Only the thief has a chance of climbing a wall. Nobody else can climb a wall. There are no climbing rules except for what the thief can do. Yeah. Uh, and to be fair to D&D, that has, been, that has largely been fixed. I mean, the thief will be better at it. They will have the standard bonuses to it, but everybody has at least a chance. They can make the roll. Yeah. And they, they can indeed get good at it without being a thief, if that's the sort of thing they do. Which is... Uh, the uh, And, and I've, I've spoken before in praise of the RuneQuest revolution, which said... You don't need character points, and you don't need to decide whether somebody is worthy of an advancement. There's a purely me- mechanistic process for pushing yourself forward and improving your abilities. Yeah, I would say there is a potential problem in character design, and it's certainly something I've done in GURPS back in the day, which is it's very easy to look through the list and think, oh, that's fun, and that's fun, and I'll have some of that and some of that, and end up being not actually terribly competent at any of them. And what classes do is give you a specialisation, and particularly if the GM is vaguely alert to this and tries to avoid too much overlap, there is a thing that you can do better than anybody else in All the right. party. All right, I will grant you that character classes, are, uh, character classes are useful for niche uh, protection and for giving each player something that they can contribute that's special to them. I don't find uh, the character classes in a Dungeon World, which is a conscious um, modernization of old school, of old school stuff. But uh, to be at all restrictive, I, I find I find the fact that I'm a paladin, he's a barbarian, makes for both useful character intera- interaction and um, niche protection. But on the whole, any proper system that designs characters can do that as well and can probably do it better. Um, 
I like the idea of the cliche and of the um, template a lot more than I like the idea of um, I like the idea of classes, and I I do wish that there were a better way to encourage um, the players who have never played anything but D and D uh, to see things outside outside of their um, outside of their particular experience of the hobby. Yeah, sure, but you know, if they're happy with it. All right, all right. I, I should, I, I, I should probably shouldn't be uh, a missionary. I'd be terribly, terribly bad, bad into the, into, into the. I, uh, I would say um, going, going the other way. Sorry, there, there are clearly too many skills in something like GURPS. Well, yeah, but I, ha- I have done, I have done the the thing that you have done and gone through. Going, I could use some of that. I could do some of that. Then find find myself. With a list of skills which I can only put one one point into maximum if I'm going to cover them all, but I uh, I regard that as as being a defining bit of the of the character as being young and just out of training and um, probably desperately keen so that he can get to the front in terms of character points. Yeah, but if you wanted to play a heroic character, then that isn't somebody terribly heroic because. Well, Everything they can do, somebody else can do better. Now, if the GM can write the adventure around that and say, "Okay, we're going to stick you in in the uh, restricted space uh, where yeah, you can't get more than one person in at once," fair enough. Um, I was actually thinking more that really, if you've got more skills that will fit on the character on the character sheet, yeah, then you don't know what your default is. I mean, a Call of Cthulhu character sheet is crowded in Seventh Edition, but at least you can you can look at it and say, "Aha." Um, my uh, driving, which I've never bothered to learn, is this. Yeah. Uh, RuneQuest, similarly. Yeah, I I, I look at those, those character sheets and all too often I hear myself or the other players saying, damn it, this system need, needs skill X. We keep trying to do X and there's no damn skill for it. What did we do last time? Mm-hmm. And similarly, when we were playing Genesis and realised that there doesn't actually seem to be a uh, general... Um, Blowing things up skill. Yeah, um, you gotta you gotta have blowing things up, blow things up, blow things up. But play Feng Shui if you want to blow things up. Yeah. Um, and Feng Shui makes me think of um, an extreme case of templateitis, um, and actually a system that is, from the point of view, it has. Um, it has a set, a huge set of character classes, which Robin's uh, Robin Law says he only uh, he only ever made by eye and just judging what was the right thing. That he could never ever write a set of rules to say how you come out with one of those templates, which makes it not a system as such, not a well, it's it's not a design system. It's not a system which you can in which you can do anything. But then it was never trying to. It was trying well, to do. Yeah. Also remembering um, Shadowrun that we we mentioned earlier, um, where you had the option of using one of the pre-built templates or setting a set of priorities. So you know th- this much for stats, that much for skills, that much um, say, third priority money or what, however you want to do it. And the ones you built yourself were always much better than the ones they gave you in the templates, even though they were done by the same rules. So, 
Okay, yeah, that that sort of um, that makes me wonder. I I noticed that the the iconic characters. There's a bit of jargon. I, I'm I'm going to get to despise in my old age. The iconic characters in RuneQuest Glorantha all seem to be slightly not uh, rules as written. And I can't tell whether it's due to the fact they were put together for the purposes of playtesting and never got rejigged, or whether it's the designers thinking things are different than they actually are in the rules as they finally ended up. It, 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 I've noticed it in system after system that uh, pre-provided characters frequently don't quite work. And I can say to, uh, uh, with congratulations to Steve Jackson Games, I've never noticed that in the GURPS supplement. Yeah, well, they do have a lot of uh, editorial effort going into that. Um, yeah, I've, I'm also thinking of things like the um, Mongoose Traveller ship design system, where most of the ships, including the example ship that they use to show you how, how the ship design system works, don't actually add up to 100%. I mean... Fundamentally, in this world, there are people who like data manipulation and spreadsheets and things, and there are people who don't. So, yeah, we we really must get out. We uh, Steve Jackson Games really must get out fourth edition vehicles so that they will be happy again. Hey, um, speaking of a traveler, that uh, it struck me earlier is uh, the first breaking of the uh, or the character class paradigm because, um. Then and now, a, a a traveler character isn't in a class. He also isn't progressing very much. But he, but what he has is a work history, an HR file, which defines mm. what he's done in the past and what he can do now. But also, my guy who's been six terms in the army and retired is going to look very different from your guy who's been six terms in the army and retired. True, and both of us may have a uh, uh, have a tough time. Fitting in on the on the tradership we're we're both working for, working on, um, and and uh, what you also have is your current job. Are you the pilot? Are you the fighty guy? Are you the steward who uh, flatters the passengers? Are you the gunner? And all of those are character defining um, in the moment in the campaign, hmm. just as much as a class is. Um, but it's more changeable, and people are more adaptable. And sometimes the steward is also good on the guns. So, if you were good on the, uh, good, good as a pilot, he'd probably be doing that job because it pays better. Hmm. You, you mean we're not all on profit share here? That's, that's what they said to me when I signed on. Roger, take the word of an old old actor. When they say profit share, it means there will be no profit, and you won't get to share it. <laughs> You get an equal share of the no profit. Yes, yes. At least the only thing you can, can think, uh, think yourself grateful for is the fact that you don't get a share in the loss if there is any. <laughs> Unless you're a total sucker, of course. I think we've sort of ground into into that. I I would I would like to hear what our uh, learned listeners have to say about this particular topic and what the different types of Straight jackets and 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 scaffolds. There are straight jackets and scaffolds. There, there's a good title for the uh, yeah. for the episode. There, there is one that I, I find a bit disconcerting, which is the thing they did in uh, D20 Modern, 
for example, where your class might be strong hero, fast hero, smart hero, and basically you have six classes, each of which specialises in one of the stats and has that as their prime stat. Yeah, um, something like that turns up in Fate Accelerated. People are still trying to take the D&D paradigm and make it fit things that it it never was meant to fit for. Mm. And I can't tell whether this is because they don't know that there's anything else or they don't feel like doing the work or if they're just not comfortable with something that doesn't have classes and levels. But yeah, also remember, uh, think about uh, early um, fantasy world supplements uh, even something like Thieves' World, which is famously multi-statted, but when you when you've got D and D, you can just say, okay, you know, uh, th- this guy F seven, he's a level seven fighter. You could and it, and if the party gets into a fight with him, you can blow that up into his actual hit points and weapon skills and so on. Yeah, but otherwise, it's you know two characters on the page. Whereas uh, I have to come up with actual names for people. You know, it's, that's hard. <laughs> Onward, I think. Here's a thing that I keep on hearing in, especially, I think, in generic um, magic systems such as GURPS, and sometimes in more specialised places. And this is the idea of the true name. The thing that you have to be very careful not to mention to anybody you don't trust. The thing that somehow or other defines you as who you are. And the thing that makes you terribly vulnerable if somebody else knows it. And I, I'm asking myself a couple of questions about this. First of all, how does that work? Second of all, is it in a, a special language or something? And third, who, where does it come from? Who does somebody give you this? Do you make it up for yourself? What is a true name? Roger, do you have any insight? Well, it depends on the setting, but I, I would, there are several directions I want to go from this. Um, okay. To start with, when this turns up in stories, it tends to be the single overpowering thing. It is the gimmick rather than one of the things that feeds into magic. You know, you cannot affect this guy unless you know his true name, and once you do, the the, the walls are open. Mm. Um, and from a gaming point of view, I think one wants to remove some of that uh, distinction. It, it, it's helpful, but... If you're going to have it at all, it, it should either be the the binary thing, which is rarely effective in gaming, or it should just be it's a better way of affecting them than. Uh, considering yeah. uh, GURPS magic uh, and its uh, locating people type spells, mm. uh, generally you need a symbolic representation of the person you're looking for. And the better that is, uh, yeah. the, the better... The, the more the spell will work, because the more it has to log on to. So, yeah, it, particularly in a modern setting, you know, photographs, um, some video, that sort of thing. But if you if you had a copy of his passport, yeah, um, that, that would be good. Um, I, I I am I am having been a civil servant. I am less impressed by 
the magical e efficacy of official documents. Um, I no, would well, say it depends on whether the subject believes in them. Yeah. Well, the only thing I, I've uh, of, uh, of official bit of official magic I've ever thought might be generally effective is the national insurance number, or or that's your um, uh, what do they call it in America? Social security number. Yeah, mm -hmm. the, the the number that uh, that uh, affects your benefits, which should be tied to only one individual, though um, it's pretty damned easy to use somebody else's. The fact you use somebody else's, I don't think invalidates it. As a uh, as a true name, the magical. Well, sense. it's interesting to look at that because it, uh, computer security is part of my job, and one of the things I've noticed over the last twenty years or so is you, you've got a lot of organisations that had been using social security numbers because it was an easy way of saying we want to, we want to talk about this particular Bob Smith, not any other Bob Smith. Yeah. But increasingly, they, they started using that as well. Obviously, only Bob knows his social security number. Therefore, we can use it to, to confirm him logging into the whatever. Yeah. And that becomes, well, no, because every other organisation he deals with is using that same number yeah. as, as an index for him. So they can all find it as well. And if any of them has a data leak. Yeah, but hang on. But that, the point I was making. So is... that, that's a true name. That's my point. Yeah, uh, that is a, a a thing you can learn about somebody that gives you power over them. You can in this country you can only get power over them if you're working for the government, local government, or police. Um, but uh, I don't want to go into criminal detail here, but uh, I am right. told that if you want to impersonate somebody, then the more of the numbers you have, the more the easier it is to get replacement official documents sent to your new address. Oh, I believe I believe that. For uh, example, I believe that, but you can't look up there. Uh, national insurance contribution record, whether they've ever claimed benefit, uh, uh, whether they've ever been in jail, um, all access to all that sort of information is a fairly tight is fairly tightly secured. Spoofing the system is lots easier than it really ought to be, um, but I don't think it's going to be fixable now. Yeah. Of course not. There's no profit in it. Uh... As for where it comes from, uh, I have had this as full baptismal name. I have had it as confirmation name for Catholics. Uh, True. That, 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 the, the idea that you gain another name on, uh, on maturity, on becoming an adult part mm -hmm. of the community, especially the religious community, is a common one. You also get renamed if you choose to take vows um, of religion. And become sisters of purpose or whatever it may be. And this could work either way. You could either say that that is your new name and therefore that is the thing by which, by which you are you now and yeah. therefore that is the thing people should use. Or you could say, well, no, you, you, you are the name you, you were born with um, and therefore... Yeah, the the person who grew up with you in the, in the same tiny village is the person who gets tracked down by the bad guy and say, "Oh, do you remember them? What were they called back then?" So that they can do magic on you now. Yeah, you could regard the um, the uh, the confirmation name as an extra security feature mm -hmm. that magically. Uh, I I I am uh, not now, nor have I ever been a member of the Catholic Church, but um, I. Believe that uh, that it is common to insert a confirmation name as a middle name, and therefore that expanded version could become your um, 
your true name for magical purposes. Well, but in, in my a... experience, which may not have been typical, the confirmation name was used at the confirmation, but basically never again after that. Well, no, because but for magical purposes, magic is magic, and magic operates by its by its own laws. If we're if we're taking this seriously, then it works whether people's beliefs and social practices support it or not. Mm. This is uh, this is a, a one of the class of true names which are given by other people, um, and are they're bestowed. For baptismal name is bestowed by agreement between the priest and the parents. Confirmation name is bestowed by agreement between the priest and the candidate. Um, and uh, and I believe that uh, names in religion are are imposed out of a pool. You will now be known as um, Sister Mary of the Angels. Um, at least that was that's the way you, you usually with some consideration of who the person is, but that may be at quite short notice. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I am rem- I'm remembering a nun's story, and that that is ni- 1940s, um, and therefore we are therefore probably no longer Catholic practice. Um, I was thinking of a possibility of either you give yourself your true name, perhaps you go on a quest to find it something like the initiation ceremony of Glorantha, and you come back and say, I'm now known as, or maybe you come back and say, there is a distinction to be made between your true name and introducing yourself as I am known as, which is important in the mm-hmm. magical sense, and probably ought to be written into any, um, any uh, game system which involves magic, um, at least openly acknowledged magic. But and that there, so, but you you go out on this quest and you come back with an inner conviction of what your name is, and that is you making up the mind. And there's a third possibility which I've been thinking about seriously for a bit of development, which is you are the universe tells you what your name is. You go out and something's and something says to you, "Hello, you are." Well, that, that, that is fairly compatible with the Vision Quest initiation idea, isn't it? Yeah, except that it feels different and, in diegetic terms, is different. You, 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 you may not want to be known as Squamous Ninny, but the universe has decided that's who you are. And, you're, and, you, you, and maybe you stop being Squamous Ninny when, um, uh, when your character, your core nature your class, maybe, changes. Mm, well, if you're talking about traditional fantasy, there, there tends to be a very strong theme of uh, you you will always be who you were. You cannot change your essential nature. Uh, so that might be a consideration. I'd be a bit hesitant about uh, using that as a theme now, simply because it doesn't really fit with the way I do things. But, well, I, um, what I was going to say was, yeah. is I, I find it's a lot easier to believe that demons and fae always have the same name and always have the same nature. And that is why there is a point of having a book of demons. Uh, and that is a, a why Rumpelstiltskin doesn't want you to know that that is, is uh, you know, what, what his name is, apart from the fact of it's, it's embarrassing literal meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, are, they are creatures who can be summoned and 
humans are not for some reason, having souls or free will or something like that. I have met in at least one story uh, the idea for cross-world travel that because somebody has been yoinked in from modern Earth, his true name has never been spoken in this fantasy world, and so the wizard who can find out people's true names by listening for the echoes can't do it. He is stuffed. Um, I, yeah, Rick Cook, um, I, I, see, I think, seemed to recall using that. And, and they're, they're, I'm almost certain there are others as well. Um, the the, name, the problem of true names and identifying uniquely the, the person that a spell applies to is obviously one that's been mixed up with computer with computer analogs and um, and computer and computer the modelling of things on computer programs ever since Werner Vinci was it wrote through names I think mm. it was um, and it, it does make sense I don't know um, how what the latest in in murder bots is. Um, do uh, how do they identify their targets? Um, how do they know they're killing the right person, or don't they care? Uh, if you're talking real world, it's all depressingly simple. Point and uh, and f- fire and forget. Go go to this vague area. They look like bad guys. Press the button. Oh dear me, we are not yet advanced enough for uh, uh, for my my for me for my tastes. Obviously, in slaughter, we're not advanced enough in slaughter. You think we'd be better at it? Uh, there there but, are all sorts of pattern recognition tricks you can use, but that's when you're trying to go after a single target. So, an, an assassin bot is much easier to build than a soldier bot in this context. It would seem to me that had to be the other way around. The, an assassin's bots would be much more expensive and uh, harder to harder to program. But but a, uh, but a, a soldier bot can be told. Go to this area here. Shoot anybody who's standing up that isn't you. Mm. Yeah, but that's very, very rarely actually terribly useful. Um, so, I think the the core problem is if if you're if you're calling it true names, you, you it, it's got that association of being a very powerful thing. But very powerful things like that aren't good for games unless they're the only very powerful thing. I well, I've had campaigns where the knowing the true name of a particular demon was the um, uh, was the the key to defeating him, um, and I think that that's uh, that that's that's as long as you're putting lots of other um, barriers in the way of getting to use that uh, that particular piece of knowledge. If you could, if you could just destroy the demon emperor by chanting his name some distance away from his palace and summoning him, that would be dull. But if you have to go in and trap him into a uh, into an enchanted circle with his true name written on, uh, on the rim of it, then that's a lot more interesting and a lot more challenging. Mm. I'm, to some extent, of course, this, this is really a character skill or a character knowledge more than a player knowledge. I mean... Mm. The, the the great necromancer is certainly going to know the names of a whole lot of things that you need to know the names of to deal with them safely. It's part of his necromancy skill. Yeah. Um, the 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 awkward things the awkward thing involves, I think, when uh, when there are um, the opportunity when there's the opportunity to do nasty things to 
um, player characters from a distance. Um, it's like giving a, it, giving a character a known uh, true name. Well, if they volunteered for it, it's all right. But, but it is a lot like giving a character an incurable disease. There are limited um, opportunities for making this an interesting story. I was thinking it was more like giving a character a sniping rifle and pointing out that, yes, you've, you've got this rifle that, that can uh, you know, castrate a gnat at 200 yards, and so does the enemy. Yeah. Um, which tends to indicate get above the enemy and kill him, for, uh, kill him before he kills you. It's the only way to be sure. Yeah. Nuke everybody to death and then you'll know where you are. Everybody but you. And you'll still know where you are. The, um, yeah, I feel this is, it's sort of a dangerous feature to introduce into games, except, but it is certainly there. And I'm, I'm wondering what you can do with it to make it fun. Um, you can, I, th I think, I think, choo I think choosing um, a, a, it's hard enough to get players to choose interesting names. Hmm. Um, without requiring them to choose two of them, um, you might. Um, you actually, you might. If the universe tells you what your true name is, you might want a random generation process. How many uh, random results would we need for everybody on Earth to have a unique true name? Of course, you could take the GURPS Goblins approach and do it the other way around. Give them the give 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 them the name of strong beans, and they will become strong and beanie. No, no. the the first The first letter of your name determines one thing about you. The second letter determines another thing. Uh huh. Um, I I I was thinking of a a two of a, a binomial um, true name praxis, in which in which you get an adjective and a noun, and um, uh, and that. In theory, there are no um, uh, there are no duplicates. This requires the the GM to start with a long list of nouns and adjectives and tick them off as he creates them for the game. Yeah. Also, we have what eight thousand million people on Earth. English is a fairly large language. Uh, how many adjectives? How many nouns? Yeah. Even if you square root it, um, then you then you still need uh, ninety thousand on each side. No, uh, ninety thousand. Uh, oh, how many words? How we? How many no. words is it? No. <laughs> All right, fine. Um, it may you might be forced to create an artificial language or reduce the world's population when you're designing it. Oh well, never mind. Don't worry. This is purely an administrative uh, operation. No, you, I'm afraid you can't have any children, Mrs. Smith, um, due to the. A lack of uh, of uh, of available designators. Oh, you, you, you can if you just make room for them. Here's your rifle. <laughs> okay, even, so you're saying even if even if I I, I use a trinomial system, I, I I can't use English. Oh joy. Um, we might be we might be reduced to the. Uh, you, you, you get to three words, it starts to become just about manageable. And um, see, for example, the what three words proprietary geolocation system. Okay, I'll bear that in mind. I was going to say that we might be reduced to doing something like the monks did in the nine billion names of God, and uh, and iterate. Dis uh, sorry, iterate exhaustively. 
iterate ex exhaust well uh come up with the with, with uh, the, uh, a special language for secret names um something like uh, pull, pulling um uh pulling syllables from a bucket uh there are fewer syllables and there are discrete words, which is worrying. Yeah, but then you can have multiples. I mean, if 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 you say um, you you you're going to allow ten units, hmm. then as you can see, you know you 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 can you can only need ten characters in each unit, uh, and that that effectively gets you a number. Yep. All right. That 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 is probably the the route to go. Uh, I hereby give thee the true name of Ak Ug Baf. But let's see, uh, what would it be? Log. Uh, yeah, I mean, 26 to the power 7 would would exceed 8,000 million. Okay. So well, if, you can, if you can give people randomly assigned uh, combinations of letters, they just won't be pronounceable. Yeah, but well, as long as each syllable is pronounceable separately. I don't see that that's a problem. Um, uh, we, we probably want to use a different um, system for naming all the demons. Or maybe we... Anyway. Uh, I, I'm still reminded of the um, Grimtooth's Trap, which was simply consisted of a demon summoned by uh, speaking its name called This Gold's Mine and You Can't Have It. Ah. <laughs> uh. Demons have one, but one nature, and they have it in their true name. So let's see. Old Japanese has eighty-eight distinct syllables. Should be able to do something with that. So five syllables will get you. Okay, I'm, I'm content. We we pro we probably have an approach if I ever do anything silly like this. Um, um, I do I do agree, and I do note that um, game systems use um, true names. As useful um, things to know, as good skill modifiers, but not as um, not as uh, the drop dead now weapon, which some some. Well, it's frustrating if that exists. Yeah, and, and yet here am I sitting quite contentedly in the universe in which I know sniper rifles and paranoid governments exist. I still go out into the sunshine. No comment. Oh dear. Next thing, please. Next thing. That has been Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. And if you want to tell us about your useful character classes and the immense number of them you have invented or um, uh, would like to give us details of your true name. Please don't. I, I, I have too many already. He is, he's one of the keepers of the secret files of civilization. What do you think the Great Big Raider are in the basements for? Well, quite. Uh, anyway, if you have any interesting things to say about the interesting things we have said, you can get in touch with us by... Uh, leave a comment on the website or email podcast at tekeli.ly. And we will see you again in the next month. <laughs>